Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wednesday Conversation. I'm Mike Kresnick. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Wow. Thank you. I'm here with uh, Pastor Bob Thune and Pastor Dusty White of Corndale Church and Kevin Huddleston, all of Corndale Church. Uh, Every Wednesday we sit down and talk about how the gospel of Jesus Christ connects to the questions and issues of everyday life. And today we're starting our episode out with some listener feedback, Bob. No applause track for us, guys. No. Just been here for years. Hey. Love hearing from listeners, and we've got a, we got a long backlog of emails and topic suggestions, so I just wanted to shout out to some listeners and read a few uh, pieces of feedback from folks. Thanks, so, thanks for writing in. Yeah, thanks for writing in. Yeah. Uh, i got a big, long thread here of all the emails people have sent in. Josh Allen. Hello, Josh Allen. Here's what Josh says. I know you're busy, and I'm sure that you've appreciated the new bi-weekly schedule. He sent this, obviously, back wow. before we went to weekly, so yeah. we're a little behind. But I appreciate your thoughtful commentary so much that I wish you could do the podcast twice weekly. Oh, boy. Out of way, Josh. Josh Man. is a big fan. That's Where's great. the snacks, Josh? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Josh gave us a good topic that uh, wanted to hear about sort of church polity and specifically sort of like how do you deal with situations where there's leadership failure or, you know, th- looking at the sexual misconduct stuff that's happened in the Southern Baptist Convention over the past months. So it's a really good topic. Um, we're not going to get to it this week, but Josh, thanks for sending in that idea and thanks for saying nice things about uh, the podcast. Also, Camille from Long Island. Camille. Camille. She Come has, on, Camille. She, she really didn't send snacks. us. Yeah, she didn't really just send us a, a topic. She was just like, hey, I just wanted you to know I want to send you some snacks. Wow. So just let me know when the next recording date is. And Camille's going to set us up with some snacks. Also visited us. She did. She came here for the Nancy Guthrie Theology Conference last year. Camille, I feel like what you, what you could really help me with, Camille, is I need to understand Long Island. Like mm-hmm. I... You know, every drama show is set in New York City, and we all live in the Midwest. I don't understand how the boroughs work. I don't understand what's make, what makes Long Island different from, you know, Brooklyn. So, hey, you know what? You, if you want to help, if you want to tee up a topic for us, Camille, send us, send us like a, a cultural analysis of what makes Long Island Long Island. I would like to know that. The mystery. Theology of boroughs. Theology of the boroughs. But, hey, thanks, Camille. Good to hear from you. Uh, Isaac Devalois or Devalois, he's got a very French name. He sent, he sent in like three topic ideas. Wow. He wants Chris and I to talk about confessionalism. Mm. He's referencing episode 356. I like yeah. a guy that says, Hey, in episode wow. 356, yeah. you guys made this comment that I wanted to hear you talk more about. I don't, I'm not interested in Dusty though. No, just, just me. He just yeah. wants to hear me and Chris. Well, fight. yeah, I was going to say, that's the thing is people like it when you guys argue, when you and Chris disagree. Well, so Chris needs to come back on the show wow. for us to have this conversation. Hey, with that, listeners, I just wanted you to know I've had a Chris Hemmelman sighting. In the last 48 hours, I've seen him. He's back. Wow. He's in the flesh. He's alive. He's in good health. He's coming so, back on the show yeah. right right at the beginning of September. I'll be sure to wow, not be so. here for, you know. No, you need to be I'm here. It's kidding. just Chris and I need to Referee fight. Referee I like we a guy who does what he wants, you know. Isaac Devalois, Devalois, Devalois. These people are going to email again and say, this is how you it's pronounce It's D-E-V-A-L-O-I-S. <laughs> and as I, you know, when you have an O-I-S at the name, it's like bourgeois, right? It's like, right. it's something French. So Devalois, something like that. I'm going to take a guess that it's Isaac Devalois. I don't like know. That? I'm not putting money on that. Anyway, what I like how you guys are letting me just take one for the team. Uh, you are on your own. Hey, Isaac wants us to talk about the the Bible Projects series on Elohim and spiritual beings. Um, he's been listening to some Bible 
Project podcasts, and uh, he mentions their series on this that they um, lean a lot on Michael Heiser, who's an Old Testament ancient Near East scholar, mm-hmm. talking about sort of like the heavenly council, the council of heavenly beings. Mm-hmm. Isaac, I just want you to know, I do have Michael Heiser's book on this topic sent to me by another listener, wow. Nate Penland. What's up, Nate? Washington Nate. State out there on the in the northeast or northwest coast. And Nate sent me this book uh, maybe a year ago. I have started reading the book, but I haven't finished it. And so uh, I, I actually do want to tackle that topic. I just need to, I'd like to read the book and understand more of Heiser's perspective before we do a podcast on it. So hmm. Isaac, we will get to that topic. Um, moral of the story is yet. Moral of the story is that uh, we'll take books as well as snacks. If people <laughs> want to send us things, send me whatever you Amen. want. Then we got to read them. Wow. Yep. Yeah. All right, so that's a bunch of listeners. For the feedback. record, Bible Project's pretty legit. Yeah, so. yeah. Those guys are great. They're thoughtful. Um, and I like people listening to that podcast and saying, hey, you guys should help me think more about that. Why don't, why don't you email the Bible Podcast, Isaac, <laughs> and tell them to talk about that? The Bible well, they Project. already did about 12 episodes yeah, right. an hour each on it. So, Oh, so they just want to, we, we need to summarize. Yeah. We need to synthesize yeah, yeah. their work. All right, cool. A couple more pieces of feedback, longer emails. These are less topic ideas and more just people interacting with stuff we had said and saying, hey, would you talk more about that? First of all, Matt Albin out there in Kearney, Nebraska. What's up, Matt? Former Cormdale member. Yeah. yeah. Former Cormdale member, listener. Um, and he he had us, uh, he listened to our episode on evangelism, politics, and Tim Keller felt like what we were saying was don't be so winsome, which I don't think is what we were saying. But Matt was like, hey, maybe that's what I heard you saying is like, don't worry about being winsome. And uh, he, he wanted to clarify on that. Um, and so he wanted to sort of ask us to frame that out more, which I appreciate, Matt. So thanks for that. And likewise, we got some really good feedback on our Roe versus Wade episodes um, from some, some listeners asking some really good questions. Uh, listener Bryn sent in a really long, thoughtful email with some questions. And so, again, we'll seek to tackle that and circle back to that in some episodes to come. So there you go. There's five or six different pieces of listener feedback. And thanks to all of you for writing in and hope that we can tackle those topics in weeks to come. Just wanted you to know when you listen and you send things in, we talk about it. We at least mentioned that we got your email and that we're, we're pondering the topics you've suggested. So thanks everyone. With that, the topic for this week is when life catches up to you. Oh man. I heard a sermon on this recently. Yeah. Yeah, I preached a sermon on this topic and actually it was going to be a podcast before it was going to be a sermon. This is a phrase Dusty's been using. Um, for a while, just like as a, as a shorthand way of saying like, Hey, this is kind of what we're seeing happening. So just, you can understand our context in our church. There are a lot of, our church started out very young and with a lot of brand new Christians. And as the church has grown and gotten older, you know, people are going on through life. And as it, as tends to happen, we just hit these moments in life where sort of like things happen that set us sideways a little bit, um, in our spiritual lives. And so as that happens, you know, Dusty's shorthand for that has sort of been like, yeah, I think life's catching up to us a little bit. And that's a good sort of phrase to capture the reality that, um, man, walking with Jesus for a lifetime is a long journey and there's, it's not a journey that's without bumps and, and bruises along the way. So we wanted to tackle, I I did a sermon by that title a few weeks back. And we thought, you know, there's more to say there. My sermon was sort of like a, hey, what should you do when that happens? But I thought it'd be an interesting podcast to just talk about what are four or five things that are going to probably happen to you in life that you should just be ready for? Um, you know, this is sort of falls in line with the wisdom literature, uh, Psalm, places like Psalm 90, right? Teach us to number our days. Mm. 
things like the book of Ecclesiastes, things like Job, you know, mm-hmm. Hey, what are, what are the things that just with any kind of depth perception, we should expect that, man, when we hit this moment in life, it's going to be, it's going to be a moment that we need to lean into the Lord and we should know how to anticipate that it's coming. Dusty, you got your Bible open over there. I only got my Bible open. I'm not going to rehash your whole sermon. Obviously we're going to go a little bit more into the weeds, but you came out of Colossians one with the emphasis of just encouraging the church to continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. So what kinds of things in life create a little bit of instability? What kinds of things in life make it difficult to be steadfast? What kinds of things sometimes, uh, displace our hope a little bit. Mm. And so Dusty and I were interacting about this a little last week and came up with what I think are five basic inflection points for um, people's um, lifelong walk with the Lord. Not every one of these is going to uh, come to every person, but in general, there, there are at least five inflection points that I feel like you got to be ready for this moment in life because it does map onto your soul and your journey with the Lord. So we want to walk through those five. Uh, I'm going to tell you what all five are. And then we have a little uh, clock running in here. We try to keep our podcast episodes 30, 35, 40 minutes, somewhere in there. So this is one where just if it, if it feels like we're going long, we'll just cut it into two parts and release it in two episodes. And if we can tackle it all in 35 minutes, then we will. But here's the five that um, we thought about, five, five inflection points or five moments when life catches up to you. First is uh, marriage. Second is having children, both having kids in general, and then how each kid can add a new layer of complexity and then how those kids growing up adds complexity. Third is facing medical complexities or physical limitations, which every one of us will face at some point in life. And maybe you already are. Maybe you haven't yet, but it's coming for you. Fourth is when you're surprised by secrets in your family. Um, I've been amazed how often this happens with people just finding stuff out of like, man, I did not know that was there in my family. You know, my mom had an abortion or my dad mm-hmm. is not my real dad or grandma was Jewish and, right. you know, part of the Holocaust or, you know, um, lots, lots of things that just people find out later in not life. Not always and, bad secrets. Yeah, just just things that, that they did not know that, that can be disorienting. And then finally, just the shift of decades. And I'm thinking particularly here of midlife, but I think it also happens kind of at every decade when you turn 30, when you turn 40, when you turn 50. These are all moments where there's sort of a new decade that comes with some new challenges. So there's the five. Let's talk about them. Marriage. What about it? If dating is ice skating, marriage <laughs> is hockey. <laughs> okay. That's amazing. I stole that from somebody. Okay. Yeah. All the good stuff is stolen, right, Dusty? Yeah, but... Uh, Man, this, that's because I'm not even very good at ice skating. So that's I'm terrible. A terrible I'm analogy. like the guy who holds the wall, you know. <laughs> and then you're like with your kids, you're like, "No, come on, kids, it's fine." And then you're like, "Don't die." Um, what we mean here is, uh, dating is great. You have this idea of getting married. You want to be married, but you've been dating, and you've been wanting to land the spouse. And then once you do, now we're actually married, and so the real me is coming out. I can no longer present who I am. Mm. Um, and I, I would just say up until you're actually married, you're still presenting a version of yourself that you want to be. You can fight for vulnerability, honesty, authenticity. You can have great premarital counseling. And then I think a year to two years deep into marriage, you're going, Oh, Oh, this is who I'm really married to. (laughs) And And this is who I am. Yeah. Yeah. This is who you are. And this is who I am. And that's who your family is. And, um, Kevin's nodding. 
Have, that, you, have you experienced this, Kevin? Oh, yeah. You know it. Mike? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you're literally colliding two souls together. Yeah. For the glory of God. Two sinners. Two, two people sinners. who are broken and flawed. And that, that does something to you spiritually. Mm. So what do you think, it, what, what helps people sort of, what is required, I guess, at the level of the soul or the level of spiritual disciplines, Dusty, to sort of like make it through that inflection point? What, what are some of the things that, that we need to sort of know as Christians to, to sort of like sustain through some of the discombobulation that can create when I look at my spouse a year in, I realize, oh, wow, we really are two sinners. Yeah. I, my biggest thing um, is, or at least my thing right now, I would say, is trust. There's a moment in marriage where I'm going to decide to trust the Lord and to trust my spouse and move into this as a transformational opportunity or I'm going to retreat. And that seems to be what we face pastorally with couples is there's this moment of connection or intimacy, which is what marriage can be, right? At least on earth, that's, it's a version of that. And I'm either going to connect right now or bail. Hmm. Uh, emotionally, spiritually. And this is an institution that God is using to sanctify me towards himself and also relationally make me whole with my spouse. I was just talking with a guy this week and that's what I was having some challenges in marriage. And what I said is, Hey, you got to remember that like marriage is God's means to sanctify you. Like we always think it's about our marriage being smooth. That's not really what it's about in God's eyes. It's about you becoming more Christ-like and your spouse becoming more Christ-like. And that's one of the opportunities that's given to us. Uh, by God's grace, if we're called into marriage. And so um, seeing it as that does kind of change things. There also seems to be something here, Dusty, that to go back to my sermon, I talked about resolve. There's something about just the covenant of marriage and just like embracing the commitment aspect of it. I, you know, I, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm aware that as we're talking about this, we're raising 10 million questions for listeners because everybody has a different experience and story and challenges. Mm-hmm. But there is something, I remember I was talking to another guy a couple weeks ago he was getting ready to get married. And I was like, how do you know you're ready to do this? And he just looked at me. He's like, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I am ready. And I was like, well, that's good. Here's what my dad told me when I was thinking about getting married to my wife. I was like, dad, how do I know if I should like do this? And he was like, well, you don't, you just decide to do it. Mm-hmm. And then you figure it out. Yeah. And I yeah. think there is some wisdom in that of just embracing like, Hey, marriage at some deep level has to just be a commitment to this person and this covenant and this relationship. And, that commitment can sustain me through some of the seasons that are a little bit disorienting as I'm trying to walk with Christ. Absolutely. We're committed. This is, we're in this thing for the long haul and this is an opportunity for me to grow with Christ and with you. So let's do this thing. So for all the people out there who maybe are thinking about marriage or single dating and envision marriage in the future, just know that like (laughs) as much as marriage is like a joy it's also an inflection point in your soul. Mm. It comes with a certain, it's a certain kind of speed bump in terms of your relationship with the Lord and what it means for you to actually experience transformation. All right. The second one, Dusty is having children, which again is a big category. And you know, there's some listeners who haven't experienced this and struggle with infertility and those kinds of things. So this is, you know, these are tense things to talk about because I'm realizing yet yeah, there's, there's listeners in the yeah. audience who are going to have, these are going to be places of pain for them. But I, I do think it's important to talk about how having kids is a, a, a spiritual inflection point. It's a place where life catches up to you. We, we sort of see it of like couples cruising along and then you throw a baby in the mix and then you got, you know, got that. What's, what's the, the joke that, uh, the Gaffigan the joke, Gaffigan joke is you're, just, drowned. you're drowning and someone throws you a baby. Yeah. yeah. That's what it's like to have a fourth kid. Is that what he said? Yeah. 
It's like you're drowning and then someone throws you a kid. That's a, that's a pretty good, he's, he's summarizing something real about how this feels. My wife and I were folding laundry, <laughs> pregnant with our fourth. And we heard that joke in the, on Netflix and we laughed and cried because it was so true. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's how you prepared. <laughs> yeah. So what kind, what does this inflection point look like and feel like dusty? What, why is this create sort of like a moment where life catches up to me a little bit, man? I remember. So obviously my story is creating a spiritual heritage from scratch. And so I feel like, uh, I will never forget. Um, we, JC and I, you know, we just talked about marriage, you get married and the idea is you're going to have kids, right? Like not everybody gets blessed in that way, but here we are, we're in the hospital. We're having our first kid three years later. And I remember holding my son, my first kid for the first time and just feeling the weight of responsibility and, and then also like, I look over and like, I also have this wife, you know, who I've never seen in this state. And now uh, like just the weight of responsibility of that and the amount of dependence I think required towards Christ, towards the Lord on just like, man, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing yep. and I'm going to need, and I, and I, but at the same time, I have to figure this out, you know? So there's, there's this dependency, there's this spiritual depth in that moment that can be both worshipful and dependent. And I think that's how the worship actually manifests itself in this. Okay, Lord, here we go. Equip me. We're doing this. Mike, Kevin, your families are a little younger than mine and Dusty's, (laughs) you know, so you've walked through this transition a little more recently. What's it felt like to you? My kids have recently, our three oldest have transitioned into teenage years. And so that feels like I'm a brand new parent again, because for so long we've had it figured out. Like we've had the middle school years figured out. It was really, we kind of got it down, you know, all of a sudden emotions are high. Hormones are off the wall. You know, it's just like, what are we doing? And so these last six years really for us has been recalibrating to this life, catching up with us with teenagers and, um, we had a friend tell us, Hey, teenage, the teenage years are going to be so fun. And I was like, what are you talking about? This is not fun. Uh, as we've, as we've been going through it, you know, so our, our third, third oldest just, just turned a teenage into a teenager. Looking back on the last six years, it's like, it has been fun because they become their own person kind of in these teenage years, they're, they're growing and growing in independence. And so they're having their own life catching up with them moments. And Jenny and I, we get to be with them and shepherd them along the way. So it, it, these moments have been fun. Um, looking back on Kevin has filled up half a legal pad over there, but said no words. So (laughs) what do you got over there? I just like observations and I love it over inserting. But yeah, I, I didn't know if you were like making a shopping list or <laughs> <laughs> you doing work over there, Kevin, or you're talking about each kid. I'm like, all right, here we go. No, uh, the Lord has blessed my wife and I, Abby with four kids, um, under the age of six oldest is about to be seven. And so, uh, but thankfully, you know, as Dusty pointed out, he's building a heritage from scratch. Um, my wife inherited a beautiful heritage, so she's one of 10. And so her mother, uh, nannied dozens of children as well. And so, um, it's been an honor and a joy just to watch her do what she does. And then for me, I think the disorienting thing has been, how do I keep up? How do I lead when I have no clue what I'm doing? And my wife clearly does. That was a disorienting fact. Mm -hmm. Um, like I want to lead, but I don't know how, and I need her and 
at some point there's got to be this dance and just open communication and trust you guys said earlier. Dusty, I think you, the thing you mentioned about marriage is there's pretense and it takes some months and years for that to kind of wear off. That's not there with children. They're not, they don't care about your feelings, you know, <laughs> right. for the first <laughs> right. years. And so there's these immediate needs that suddenly, um, I have to respond to, I have to answer. I don't have a choice in the matter. So much of us, what we do in life, we have a lot of choice and say, and, um, we can determine when and how we do things and we can be invited into obedience and work and all that stuff. And we can kind of hold a lot of ourselves back. That's not there with having kids. And so, and there's, that's a beautiful thing. It's also, it's a chastening, sanctifying thing in the, in good ways. Um, and so the other piece that I think is just so daunting is suddenly you're have this responsibility, uh, that you've never just had before. I mean, there's a human person. Exactly. And they're looking to you for their stability and their sense of self. And, um, so your sin, you know, this is there in marriage, but your sin is being magnified through them and how you respond and And repeated. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They learn it by watching you. Oh man. So there's just a, there's a dauntingness, there's a soberingness. Uh, it's such a beautiful thing, but it's such a, it can be such a scary thing. And I think, you know, I mentioned my wife because I'm just, I'm incredibly thankful for her. And I tell her that almost every night. Um, not everybody has this sort of inheritance of watching parenting happen and knowing how to do it. And so I have such sympathy for parents that are like, I have no clue. I had no parent. My spouse had, right. I had not the right kind of parenting that I want to emulate. And if both spouses are in that place and it's like, man, we're just kind of, like you said, we're, we're doing it live. We're figuring this out on the fly and we need a lot of grace and community along the way. I think I want to mention two things here. One is I think this season, um, when, when I see like people I've discipled or have grown up in Christ in our church who get married and then start having kids, one of the things you enter into is kind of just a season of survival, which is the Gaffigan joke. Yeah. It's like, actually, you know what? <clears throat> I want to tell people in our church, Hey, you know what? If you're in your thirties and you got a few kids, just survive, just like, just make it. That's, that's a win. You know, like it does, it really does feel, I think, especially to young moms a lot, like just, man, you just got to survive, make it to the next day, <laughs> keep these kids alive and fed. And, you know. Um, so there's a certain survival thing that I think people who really are high capacity people and want to be invested in making disciples sometimes feel defeated or overwhelmed or just like, man, I'm not giving myself to the world and the church in the ways I wish I was. And, you know, you just got to embrace like, that's a little bit of that season of life. It'll open up in the future. Trust me. You know, it's, it's okay. It's okay to sort of just buckle down and, and do the things from day to day. But the other thing I want to say here is. I think the reason I think this is a place where life catches up to people is because I've had the journey of watching various people sort of like parent their kids from day one, all the way through the stage that kind of you're at, Mike, you know, our church has been here for 17 years now. And so I've seen parents do it well, but I've also seen this happen where moms and dads become very kid focused and wanting to kind of do the right thing for their kids. Hmm. And what they neglect is their own spiritual vitality. Yeah. Say more about that. Well, and so what happens is like, I've seen parents who like gave their kids all the things they thought were right. Like, you know, training, involvement in the local church, discipline, education, you know, education all the things. And, and, and thought that by pouring into their kids, all these energies and resources that their kids were going to turn out, you know, to follow the Lord. But the, the thing they neglected to realize is the primary person the kids are following is the parents. Mm -hmm. And if they don't see mom and dad actually having a real relationship with Christ, you can send your kid to a Christian school. You can have them in a local church. You can pour all kinds of energy into wanting your kids to have a Christian-y upbringing. But the primary person they're looking at is mom and dad. Yep. And so 
I, I think people just got to embrace like, hey, the most important thing. Yeah, you, you got a lot of responsibilities and things you got to attend to. But the most important thing is you got to walk with Jesus. And if you do, you know what? Your, your kids are going to go through bumps, but they're going to be okay. And if you don't, man, all the other stuff you do really is secondary to that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, that's, that's a really good word because I think we're, especially our church, we get focused on like all the stuff we should be doing. And we have high capacity people around here. And uh, those are all good things. We should be intentional about the stuff we're doing. Um, but <laughs> you can read all the books you want on marriage. You can go to the conferences you want on marriage. We do those conferences. We speak at those conferences because they're good to go to. But at the end of the day, your kids learn how to be married by watching your marriage. Mm. Yeah. Same is true of your Bible reading and yeah. yeah, all of those things. Yeah. And it's kids is God's way of sanctif sanctifying us as individuals too, as parents, right? Sure. So I think that changes how we see these inflection points as um, bad things. And like, no, that I'm experiencing this because God wants to see something happen in me. God, God wants to see something happen in our kids. Now the, the, another way to say what I'm trying to say is just to say like, you got to be a real person and a real Christian. And a real mm -hmm. Christian is someone who's flawed, yep. trusting in Jesus, trying to lean as best I can into the grace of God, mm -hmm. reading my Bible, praying. You know, if my kids see me living an authentic walk with God, yep. that's yep. generally the best thing. And I think kids are really good at sniffing out when mom and dad's religion is really about raising a better family than they did. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When it's really about like a thing they're trying to do rather than part of who they are. Yeah. I, this is really important when it comes to life catching up to you, when it comes to the marriage piece and the kid piece, and then kind of losing my, I, I'm, I could lose my own soul in the process. And this is why we have this pastoral burden because this happens a lot. We'll get to the decades later, but this happens a lot in midlife. Yeah, it does. And you're not, if you're not communing with the Lord, then your kids are like, well, why are we reading the Bible? <laughs> yeah. Is this just a good thing to do? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right, let's take the third one. Facing medical complexities or physical limitations. This is coming for all of us. Why is this an inflection point? Why is this a place where life catches up to you? By God's grace, I can say that now. In 2013, my wife got a blood clot in her brain after the birth of our fifth child. We've had some ongoing suffering for basically the last nine years, ups and downs medically, totally did not plan for any of it. You know, like you're in your thirties and you're like, Oh, well, we're going to kill it. We got lots of energy and the Lord keeps handing us babies while we're drowning. So apparently we're <laughs> fine, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, and then you face these medical complexities out of left field. And, uh, I say by God's grace, because that suffering can sanctify you or it can derail you. And there's volition involved there. You can decide to lean into it, but you bump up against your own limitation quick. And, or to say it, you know, using this podcast phrase, when life catches up to you and that happens, you're host. And I remember there was three weeks in 2013 where I think I came to the office like three days. And I just remember thinking like, I don't even think I should be getting paid. I'm not doing anything. And when we bumped up against those, uh, up against those medical complexities and I felt like, man, I'm not competent to do anything about this. I can't control this. I can't grit this out. I can't figure this out. The Lord, the Lord is going <laughs> to, 
the Lord can do something. The Lord's doing something here, you know, like all your theology goes to work. All your right. theology about his sovereignty and care and all those things. Okay, well, everything I believe has to go to work now. And that just happens to everybody. Nobody's planning for it. But I think that happens. Well, I think you have to, <clears throat> you have to anticipate and be, if you're a young, relatively healthy person, you have to expect that whether it's when you're 30 or 60 or somewhere along the journey that this is going to happen to you because right, I preached Ecclesiastes a year ago and we're all going to die. You know how you're going <laughs> to <Yeah>. die? <laughs> Life is going to catch up to you. Like, alert. Actually mortality is going to catch up yeah. to you. Mm. Might be cancer, might be a car accident, might be old age, might be a brain aneurysm, might be all kinds of things, but we're all going to die. And so that means that this, this reality is coming for all of us. And I think the, naivety that we have is this is going to happen when I'm old, you know, it's going to happen after I've kind of lived all the life I want to live and I'll be able to like script how it's going to go where like I retire, I kind of like get to a place in life where I, maybe I feel ready for, you know, to sort of like meet Jesus and then it's going to happen. And that's just a naive way of thinking, right? That's, that's not how it's going to happen in every situation. It will be in some. And so living life backwards means acknowledging, all right, at some point I'm going to face physical limitations, medical realities, mortality. I need to begin now yeah, to, to build the theology that I'm going to need to put to work when that happens. And part of my, part of my job as the pastor of a relatively young and relatively healthy church is just to try to help people build the theological categories that can go to work in moments where we come up against crud. I got a diagnosis I wasn't expecting or something happened that I wasn't expecting or I'm facing a limitation that I didn't expect to be facing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everything you guys that we're talking about, it feels like communion with God disciplines, knowing his word, uh, just storing up the things that we need for the journey. The long journey of life is so important. And you started this podcast, Bob reminding us of Psalm 90. It's keeping things like that in mind that will help us say, okay, when those things happen, I'm not surprised in some ways it's it. The thing that's interesting though, is what's disorienting about it is the whole C.S. Lewis quote of God has put eternity in man's heart. Like there's still something in us that feels like we're supposed to live forever. I'm yeah. supposed to, I'm supposed to have an eternal kind of existence. And so that's why I think in those moments when it happens, it catches us off guard, even though it shouldn't. And then to your point, Dusty, what should follow is hopefully. And if you've, if you've walked the long road of obedience, man, you've got a whole, Rolodex of stuff, a reservoir to draw from in those moments. It's just weird because then suddenly it's applied to you and not just this abstract idea of what might happen. It's like, oh, no, now this is real. And Lord, I need you to, to show up. I think there's also a cultural piece here that our culture just doesn't know how to deal with death limitation and sickness. Mm -hmm. Whereas actually all of our grandparents and beyond, this was really normal. Like my grandfather's first wife died in childbirth, you know, like when you've watched your wife pass away and then you married another woman because you were 29, you know, and wanted to be married, that, that was a real normal experience for my grandparents' generation and my great-grandparents' generation. But we just live in a world where we're constantly fed this expectation that if we have the right technology, if we have the right medicine, the right doctors, the right interventions, that we can just sort of stave off indefinitely any kind of limitation or sickness or pain or sadness or mortality. And so part of what the Bible refreshingly wants to call us into is a life that says, no, 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 we should expect that our bodies are going to break down at some point and thank God for the medical interventions we have by God's common grace. But that doesn't erase the reality that all of us are going to face medical complexities and limitations that we didn't plan for and that we don't have answers for. And that's as it should be. It's designed to remind us of the fact that we need redemption. This probably goes without saying, but uh, this whole topic that we're sharing with you about facing medical complexities, physical limitations, 
you know, when you're saying like, Hey, this is coming for you. We're not saying that in a fear-based way at all. We're saying that in a really hopeful way, realistic way, mature way. We're trying to say, Hey, maturity says, be ready for some surprises, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I think the more we can just embrace those things, then we can embrace how the gospel invites us to contribute and then also praise the contributions of others genuinely. Otherwise we're going to be exaggerating and faking it and trying to duck and cover. Like I remember in 2013, I could, I can't really even tell you much about what happened that year. I mean, it was a, it was a rough year in our church. I was going to say it wasn't the best year in ministry. I mean, I remember it. Don't get me wrong, but I, but it was, it's foggy because I just was not ready for that. And there's, you know, we're also underneath a lot of this is just the power of community, friendship, brotherhood, sisterhood, when life catches up to you, all that stuff has to be there too. That's good. One question for you guys as we're talking and I'm imagining, okay, to your point, Bob, um, not everybody's going to face everything. Um, but in a lot of ways, physical limitations is going to affect us at some point in our life. Uh, odds are in that direction. Even if I've been walking the long road of obedience, what, what would you say is the needed and necessary preparation? It kind of goes back to the marriage thing. It's like, well, you, you can't really prepare for something that you're not ready. You know, who knows if it's going to happen or how it happens. But if this is a more likely one than the, the previous two we've discussed, what do you guys feel like people need to hear and know and be ready for? And maybe it's not any rocket science, but what would you recommend to listeners to keep in mind? You used the phrase communion with God a few minutes ago. And I think that's like being able to have something, having something to lean into here when you face this, like a life of prayer, a life of understanding biblical lament that allows me to cry out to the Lord and express what I'm feeling. And then probably a healthy enough emotional life, Kevin, that I, that I can embrace what I'm actually feeling and not try to gloss it over or move past it or get stuck. Cause I think that's the, the thing that catches up here is like, I don't know how, what to do with my emotions, with my fears, with my uncertainties, with my confusion. The scriptures give us a lot of clarity on what we should do with those things. But if we haven't cultivated that pattern, it can, it can get us stuck, you know? And, um, Dusty, I remember when we, back in 2013, you and JC talked about <laughs> the, the category of suffering well, and how that wasn't really even a helpful category. Cause it's like, how do you, <laughs> like, how do I know if I'm suffering well? Now I feel like I have to suffer in a certain way. Right. And maybe it's just like suffering, um, is just okay. You know, and, and rather than having the, the pressure of how am I doing it? Well, um, but Kevin, I, you know, I experienced a certain kind of limitation this past year where I had a, a back surgery that just really changed how I, what I can do and what I can't do and how I work out and the kind of pain I feel every morning when I wake up. And there, there's just realities for me that were just like, Oh, I got to embrace that. Like, this is a pretty normal thing. Like I'm, mm -hmm. you know, I'm at a season in life where I shouldn't expect that I'm going to play basketball till I'm 60, mm -hmm. but I still mm -hmm. wasn't ready for the limitation. You know, I wasn't, mm -hmm. uh, it, it came unexpectedly and suddenly. And so part of what I needed to lean into was like, communion with my father of just saying, all right, Lord, this doesn't surprise you. You knew this was coming. What do you want from me? What are you asking of me in this season mm -hmm. when it comes to like how I need to go deeper with you, what this means about embracing my bodily limitations, mm -hmm. the ways I need to just be okay with shifting what I can and can't do. Um, not resenting this, not, not letting bitterness grow or anger or, or, um, and even doing my best to not let this affect how I relate in life to people, you know, cause I think pain, Pain makes you angry, you know, yeah, pain, yeah, pain makes you a sure. more difficult person to relate to. So I appreciate what you said about having an, a 
practiced in a, a relational and emotional kind of healthiness, an integrated person would be a way to say that. Because when those moments come, and if they do, if you don't have the sense of how do I even talk about what's going on in me, you're, you are going to feel very stuck. And, and aside from that, Bob, I also wonder if like having a different vision of what's to come. So there's promises in scripture. There's language in scripture of how to, how to lament and how to experience emotions and express emotions, but also a vision of where are we headed toward? If God is going to renew all things and renew my body and give me a new body. And if I'm in Christ, I have that hope to that's, those are opportunities to lean into those kinds of things of, even if this doesn't alleviate, even if this doesn't, my circumstances don't change, I still have hope and it's not in these circumstances. So it gives you almost a, a deeper longing for what's to come in the next life. And that propels you forward and helps you su be sustained in those moments that are really hard. Yeah. All right, we're going to kick this to a part two because we're we're tracking right at our uh, time limit that we want to set for this podcast. So uh, I've mentioned that we're talking about five moments when life catches up with you. We've talked about the first three, marriage, having children, facing medical complexities or physical limitations. We'll come back next week and keep this conversation going and tackle the next two. Um, so join us then. And uh, until then, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.